Welcome back, grappling fans. My name's John Evans, and thank you for joining us today for another installment of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. With me, I have my good friend, uh, comedian, and you guys probably know him already if you're already uh, into the Jiu-Jitsu community. His name is Joey Coco Diaz. Thank you for having me, John Evans. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, of course, man. Pleasure to be back at Breakdown Academy. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, we are filming this now. Have you noticed uh, I I don't have the the new backdrop yet with the printed logos and everything. It's it's on its way. But um, it's not at my house anymore. I'm at the gym at Breakdown Academy here in North Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, if you guys are in the area, feel free to come by Swing and train. By. We're here for a little while. Everything all right, Jeremy? Um, yeah, you know, it's been, it's, it's been, a, it's been a rocky road. But, um, yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. Jim's coming along. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about life. Good. It's gonna be good. What about you, though? You're super, super busy lately. I'm super busy, but, uh, like I, you know, they got the baby and the podcast and uh, the writing and the stand-up. But what really has swept my life the last three years, it's going to be three years in May, is jiu-jitsu. You know, like it's really uh, taken over me. And it's weird because I always use analogy of stand-up to uh, MMA and analogy of stand-up to jiu-jitsu. When I first started, this will be 25 years I'm doing stand-up comedy this June. Oof. But you got to remember the first three and a half years, I didn't do stand-up. I just told people I was a comedian and I would go to get on stage, you know, uh, to party and to drink and stuff like that. And I paid attention, but it was something that I wasn't doing with any commitment. Like, it was something that I was testing the waters. In my heart, I thought I was doing the right thing. But it took me, like, three years to beat myself up and finally go, okay, if I'm going to dive into this, this is how it has to be done. And that was 21 years ago. That was in 94 where I said, if I'm going to get into this, this is the only way to do this. So I met you three years ago at a different jiu-jitsu school. Yes. And you were one of the instructors there. And then uh, I would go there, but I couldn't. I was. What happened was I couldn't go to class at night. I never knew that when I joined first joined jiu-jitsu. My <laughs> wife had the baby, and um, you know my phone starts ringing about 5.30. And at 5.30s, from 5.30 to 8 is when the phone rings for my, uh, you know, my occupation. Yes. So I'd be leaving for jiu-jitsu, and the phone would ring, and somebody would go, listen, you got to go online and get uh, the plane ticket and send us this. And it was just always nights were hard. So the only options I had were Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, if I travel on Thursdays, I only have one day a week. and or And if I can't go that Tuesday, I would have acupuncture. So I could never go. So it was like for for six months, I went very inconsistently. Then I hurt my knee, and then I stayed out for another five months. And I was still going to jiu-jitsu inconsistently. And then I picked up a little steam. I picked up a little steam, and then I got busy. And I found myself going to jiu-jitsu either Sundays, Mondays, or Wednesdays and being frustrated with myself. Why my breathing wasn't better. Yeah. You had a, this wasn't better. A bit of a rough patch there. It was a rough patch. And so what I would do was I would do everything except jujitsu. Okay? So I would do kettlebells. I would do, you know, deadlifts and, and overhead presses and, you know, ellipticals and walk North Hollywood Park. Anytime I couldn't jujitsu wise, I would justify it by doing something else. And then I would get frustrated. Still, nothing's happening in my jujitsu. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened. Uh, 
you know, we tried working together for a while in the daytime, but it was really hectic. It was hard for you. It was hard for me because my schedule always changes. I, I would have to come in like at 10 after 11 and leave at 12. And, you know, you're a thinner guy, so I didn't want to be crawling all over you, sweating Cheetos <laughs> and shit. So uh, I would go to Hegan's on Wednesdays or either you on Mondays. And then we started messing around over on VMAC on Mondays. But again, it was 10 to 11. Uh, you know, I, w I really wasn't breaking a sweat. I was learning something, but I really wasn't. Yeah. And that, that fear, I still had that fear of being on the bottom. It was always that fear of being on the bottom. You, you always had a, like a claustrophobia. Like a claustrophobia. Thing, right? yeah. I read things. It's pretty people, common. Yeah. People, I mean, the jiu-jitsu community is great because people started sending me Every, articles like I used to get articles in my junk email from people daily, but they were interesting stuff. You know, it was like things you could do, or you know. But the bottom line is, you know how you get rid of the phobia? You get under somebody and you count to three, and tomorrow you do it to four, and tomorrow you do it to five, and there goes your phobia. But if you do it once a week, it's never going to go nowhere. Yeah, I mean, baby steps. Right? So I was really frustrated with my jujitsu. I thought about quitting. You know, I'm too old. What the fuck's the matter with me? And then I thought about my stand-up. And I'm like, you know what, man? Listen, I have to be honest with myself. This is my, these are my options. My options are I can't really go at night and during the week because I'm heavy and I'm older. I could just go twice a week. And that'll be fine. Because Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if I travel, at least I can work out in the gym. And it won't be that bad because I'm least... I'm getting my two jujitsus in. Not a jujitsu and a kettlebell, not two kettlebells, and I'm blowing off jujitsu to the next week. It had to be. And something really weird happened, and you're not going to believe what happened. Hmm. I narrowed it down. I said, you know what? I'm either going to go to Street Sports in Sherman Oaks because they have an 11 o'clock class, mm -hmm. John Jocks in Tarzana because they have a 12 o'clock class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's far, though. Yeah. Far. Or I was going to go to the school in Burbank that our friend Hassan went to for a while. Oh, he was there? Okay. Yeah, for a while. And he liked the school. It was very technical, but it was expensive, and they didn't have a Monday class. And that was my biggest selling point, that you had to have a Monday class. Even street sports was up in Sherman Oaks. Plus, I know that my time, Mondays is tough because my daughter doesn't go to school. So I had to get everything, to, everything had to be put together. So I called Eddie Bravo mid-December, and I go, Eddie, I need a big favor, man. I'd love to start a gi class at your school on Mondays and Wednesdays at the new HQ. Because you're not a big fan of the no-gi. No, right? I, I'm having a hard time with gi. How the fuck am I going to jump into <laughs> no-gi? People squeezing your neck and squeezing your wrist and shit and breaking your ankles. So I called Eddie up like a brother, and I go, listen, man, I need a favor if I could hire Salami. You're talking about Eddie Bravo, Eddie right? Bravo, okay. to do... make sure to do a black belt uh, a ski class. There's a couple of the 10th Planet schools, and they have ski classes. I go, well, can we do one at 10 o'clock? And he fucking said, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> he goes, not only are we not doing a fucking ski class, we're not doing kettlebells, we're not doing deadlifts, we're not doing fucking nothing. He goes, all I do in my fucking school is no gi jiu-jitsu. And I got to tell you, John Evan, you know, 15-year relationship, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed for like two days. It's I'm a, like, this motherfucker. It's, it, to his credit, though, it's kind of his brand, right? So, it's his br I yeah. didn't think about it that way. Sure. I thought about, you got a new school. You need to keep the lights on. You know, <laughs> this is to give your students a different angle. Eddie didn't even want to hear that. He's like, fuck that. They want to learn gi, tell them to go somewhere to fuck else. Here, it's no gi and jujitsu. 
And he goes, you know, that's what the fucking problem is. This new jujitsu, it's everything about this and this and this. Jujitsu is fucking jujitsu, and it has been for two hundred fucking years. And I remember going to Flappers one night and being at the light and just sitting there and going, "What the fuck?" And I look up at Magnolia and Victory, and there's Legacy Jujitsu. And I go, "What?" I go, "That's right, Alberto Crane's there. I've known Alberto since July of '94." Oh wow. In Santa Fe, New Mexico, we were shooting the longest yard, and he was on that. No, Ivan Salaveri, Bob Sapp, and uh, the kickboxer, the black big kickboxer, the old man, the the one that's fifty years old that they always torture. Bob Sapp and Ivan, one of the greatest black kickboxers of our. The, the, I, oh, Maurice. Maurice Smith. Yes. So Maurice Smith would take me over there. They would roll over at Albertos in Santa Fe. So I would wow. walk in, and Alberto would say, you want to roll? And I go, do I look like I want to fucking roll? I'm 400 pounds. He's like, I don't even got a gee for you. You know, he was always like, but you should do this. You should do this. And the whole summer I was in Santa Fe, he tormented me, and he would make me walk and show me different things. Like, you know, like, he's such a sweet guy. And I, I, I didn't even call him the next day. I was too embarrassed to call him. I went online, and I saw that his school had lunchtime classes every day, seven days a week, and I could zip in and out of there. They're hour classes. They have a fundamental program. And since January 4th, I've been going there at least twice a week straight. Never take a week off. Some weeks I go wow. three times, and I understand now the commitment. Don't get me wrong. I'm still fucking terrible. <laughs> but I didn't care about t- being terrible. All I cared about was about the commitment. Win, place, or show. You go every other day. Your back hurts. You know, when I first got into comedy, I was telling you that I went through a really weird situation. When I first got, and this is what I equated, and people were at home going, Joey, what the fuck, it's a jiu-jitsu podcast, but I'm trying to talk about the state of mind that I had into. Right now, I consider myself, and this is not being egotistical or nothing. When it comes to stand-up comedy, I consider myself like a John Jock Machado, like a, a Hegan. We've been doing it for over 20 yeah, you years. you put your dues in. If you come talk to me, I could help you with jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying I'm the best stand-up in the world, but if you came to me and said, Joey, I have a problem with my stand-up, I could solve it like this. I could go with you, and I get to the heat of the problem. Maybe it's something in your mind. You don't want to be free. You know, it's whatever. This is what I do. But how I got to do this, when I first committed to stand-up comedy, there was a wall in front of me. I was going through a really bad divorce. A, I didn't know how to handle it. B, I had anger issues. And C, I really wanted to make my relationship with my child work. So when I got into, when I decided to get into comedy full-time, I moved back to Boulder, and I let them know I was going to be a dad, and they didn't like the fucking idea. They already had a house, her and her new boyfriend, and they didn't like the idea, so they used to try to fight it. So, you know, I can't tell you the amount of dollars that I spent. And, and guys, when you get into comedy, you really don't have much money. And uh, I was taken into savings. I sold the condo I had. I mean, and, you know, Joey, woe is me. I'm not, I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying that I was at the end of my rope. Uh, you have this stress level um you know i had my my child taken away from me. my daughter's 25 and today we just don't talk we haven't talked for 10 years and i've reached out i paid my child support but i was going through this bad part and i would meet them wednesdays i would have the child from two to five two to seven on wednesdays and from two to seven on sundays and every time i had them when i dropped them off like when i picked them up i told you i would hug her and i could smell her boyfriend on her clothes 
and on her hair. And you don't know what that does to a man. As a man, you have no fucking idea what it does to you. And then I would drop them off to her and the fucking guy. And here's a kid that, you know, I didn't have no mom. I lost my parents from the early age. This was my family. And now they were taking this child away from me. I can't describe the feeling when I would walk back into that car to drive away and see my daughter driving away with this fucking sack of shit and this boyfriend that's another piece of shit. And I would cry. I have no reason to be. I was 32 years old. I'd, I'd just sit there and bawl like a, like a broken person that I was. And I'd open up my ashtray, and I'd smoke a half a joint. And I would force myself to go do stand-up comedy. Force myself. Like, I didn't give a fuck what John Evan was doing. I didn't care who was going to suck my dick. I didn't care how much coke you had. I did not care about anything. I would force myself to go to that stand-up. And I would cry all the way to the gig, you know, wipe my eyes walk in, sign my name, and as bad as I felt, I would have to go on stage and turn it around. And I did that for like uh, 16 months, and I, I, you, know, you can't do it eventually, <laughs> but that commitment was the same commitment I needed for me to grow in jiu-jitsu. And like my goals in jiu-jitsu aren't to be a world champion or they're not to be a badass black belt. I wish this had nothing to do with belts or anything. I just like it because I know that, I know what the final result's gonna be. I'm not going to be a bad motherfucker choking out old people at the old folks' home. I'm going to be that much in better shape, and it makes everything around me that much better. My stand-up has improved. My writing has improved. Because when I walk out of jiu-jitsu at 1 o'clock, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can take my dick out and go like that like a propeller, and I'll fly away like a helicopter <laughs> because I did the hardest thing I had to do that day in my world. To a guy like you, it's easy. You go in there, you barren bolo some motherfuckers, you throw them over, and everybody's happy. I can't barren bolo nobody. I just go in there, you know. So for me, when I have a little, like if I look at the clock, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this is the second sparring thing I did, and I finished five minutes, I didn't get tapped out. I go home happy as fuck. Happy as fuck, you know. If you got me in an arm bar and I pull away, if I pass your guard, if there's a guy that I can't pass his guard, and there's that one day I pass his guard, I fucking won today. That's it. I feel bad for you. <laughs> is that because uh, in the beginning, like you were saying, you were, you were pretty low. You had a pretty low point, and you were using stand-up for, for that. Um, you know, you, you learned the skill, stand-up. You put yourself out there. It was tough, and now stand-up's way easier for you. You know, you've been doing it forever. It's just second nature. So now you've kind of shifted that to jiu-jitsu? Is yeah. Well, I shifted the, the, the train of thought. The train of thought is this, that people miss. And when you're 21, you miss these things like I did. And when I was 30, I missed them. That it's not about being a badass. It's, not, it's about showing up. I think you told me a story that you had a guy in one of the schools you went to, and the guy wasn't the best that you ever saw, but he kept coming. And one fucking day, the guy hit the brown belt, and he started throwing people through fucking walls. It took him nine years to click. click. Yeah. You know, it really did take him nine. Then you see a guy like Kyle Ajo that when he's a white belt with one stripe, he's triangling people. Sure. He's barren bowling people, you know. So my philosophy is I got on the stage in 91. I met Joe Rogan in 97. And I remember he'll tell you now, when I, he, he'll tell you when I first met you, you were lost in stand-up. And all of a sudden one day it was like it came to you. Like you just got it and you never turned back. And that's how I've been with everything. That's how I was with basketball. That's how I was with, 
with school when I came from Cuba. I struggled in the first grade and second grade with the English. I never got left back. I didn't get left back to the sixth grade because I tried dry humping a chick. <laughs> and I fucking, uh, I used to dry hump every day and I wouldn't do homework. Once she'd leave, I'd just sit there mummified thinking about how good this is going to be <laughs> once I get those pants open. I never got a pants open. Well, I, I thought they held you back just because you were dry humping. No, I would no. dry humper and I had to go to school, uh, summer school, and then I would escape from summer school and go back and dry humper again. And I failed summer school. So if you don't go to summer school in Jersey, they put you right back in, uh, in, the, in the seventh grade, so in the sixth grade. So that's when I got left back. I always start off slow, but then I go. But the secret to everything is just to keep showing. You're going to get beat up a thousand times. It's like that fucking expression. You know, if you bite a bullet a thousand times, eventually you become a fucking weapon. You know, if you, if you, it's true. If you, you know, in the same, with stand-up, I used to put myself in horrible positions. I would go up there and open up with an abortion joke and try to climb out of that bitch. <laughs> I don't even do abortion jokes. I would do one or a Hitler joke. I, I hate Hitler yeah. jokes. But I would say a Hitler joke just to be able to climb out of that hole. Wow. Would you make it out? The, uh, the, uh, not yeah, really. That's pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make it out of those holes only through experience. You might weave yourself out of it one out of ten times, but it takes years to learn how to stop yourself, breathe. You know. And let me tell you how jujitsu has improved my fucking. Uh, I was telling Big John, you know, when I'm on stage and I don't have them, I just retain the guard. I go back to a peaceful place. Retaining the guard is your peaceful place. Nothing could happen to me. I grab you by the gi, I pull you down, I hold you for a couple of minutes, I breathe, and I think of my next attack. Hmm. That's all retaining the guard is, really. You throw me around, blah, 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 blah. I get a leg in there, retain. <laughs> okay. I'm like, this motherfucker's strong. The is not going to work. I'm going to have to go for a neck choke. I'm going to have to fake the neck choke. And that's what retain the guard is. And stand up, I never would do that. I would just steamroll you. Now I retain the guard. Mm. I learned that from doing jujitsu. So from me doing jujitsu, I learned something to do to make my stand up better. Stop, take a breath. Ain't nothing gonna happen. You're my guard. I got you. <laughs> I got your fucking neck. You can pull away. I got the back of your neck. You're not gonna punch me. I'm just gonna breathe, clear my mind. We see it in the UFC. A guy gets bit slapped, he goes backwards. He clears his mind, and now he fucking attacks. You know, for years, I would fold at that attack pole on stage. Now I go, well, there's nothing to fold about. Hmm. This is my motherfucking world. I'm going to grab him by the neck, pull him in, grab their sleeve out to throw him off, keep him there for 30 seconds. Breathe. And it works in life. It yeah. works on stand-up. So I've crisscrossed both of the arts to come up with... Yeah, and, something uh, different. It really has. You have, you've you've made those analogies. Just um, you know, you'd come to the gym and we'd train, and uh, you'd tell me about like how your stand up would would influence the jujitsu and vice versa. Vice versa. And and then really like the more we started talking about it, it seemed like it was just paralleled all over life. And I don't know. I thought that was always interesting. Like you just kind of had like a bigger picture scope of everything. Because if I thought about coming to jujitsu, I wouldn't come. If I just thought about, who wants to drive to go get choked out and breathe heavy and have smell asses and feet and balls in your face and say, that was great, and some fat guy sweat on you and it smells like pepperoni sandwiches. It's probably a group out there. Right, <laughs> but I was very petrified. So for me to not get as petrified as I was, I had to keep creating these things to say, hey, nobody's going to do nothing to you there. When I go do stand up, what's the worst thing I'm going to have? I'm not going to laugh. Big fucking deal. You go home, you smoke pot, you eat a roast beef sandwich, you go to sleep, and you try it again the next day. In jiu-jitsu, you have good days and you have fucking bad days. That's you have true. days that you go, I don't even know why I come here. 
This is this has been a waste of fucking three years. Then you go in there again, you pass somebody's guard, and at the end you get a little burst of energy and you pull your arm on, and you're like, you know what? I'm coming on fucking Monday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm coming on Monday. But, I mean, if you look at, at your progression, just in particular, the, I, I didn't realize it had been three years already. That's crazy. It's, I've known you for three years. Wow. Um, yeah, when you first came to the gym, that was that the first time you ever trained? Like, first time I in? ever trained jiu-jitsu. I walked in there one time, and you're like, come on on the floor with jeans. I'm like, no, 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 I'll come back. That's right. Yeah. I talked to John Budd, and then I came to your class, and you were very helpful, but I was completely lost. I had never even had grappling experience. I played basketball in high school, so those seasons lapped over. I had friends that wrestled, and I'd see their workout. And I'd go, how do these kids do that? First of all, they turned the heat down to 2,000. This is way before the Hindus showed up with fucking yoga. In North Bergen, New Jersey, three white dudes called Tabachino would lower the heat up, would raise the heat to 150, and you'd be in there fucking. Then they made you run stairs and go back and, and do another five minutes and wrestle again. And I was like, I can never do nothing like that. And then I met Eddie and Joe, and I saw, I didn't know it then, but... I thought those guys were crazy. <laughs> like I, I hung out with Joe for three years, and then he introduced me to Eddie, and then Eddie introduced me to Tate, and then they had another friend that would come with us, and every time we had a gig, we'd run nine deep, and they would be having a conversation. In the middle of the conversation, they would say, no, because, listen, bro, from now on, when you do that grip, don't grip it like this, grip it like this, and grab his collar, and I'd sit there and go, what the fuck are these morons talking about? And then you know what they'd do? In a hotel lobby. And I'm not talking about a super fucking eight. I'm not talking about a Motel 6. I'm talking about one of these four seasons where Joe would stay with the UFC and we'd all stay there as part of the comedy routine, the comedy show. And they'd take their shoes off in the hallway at 2 in the morning in the lobby <laughs> at the four seasons and start doing toe holds and fucking leg locks. And I used to sit there and go, this is crazy. Why are these guys so fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Pops? Like, look at these fucking guys. I'd say these guys, they got to be like closet gay guys or something, touching each other's feet and sniffing each other's assholes. I, I'm like, I would go do comedy, and then I'd go to my room. They always said, you want to come roll with us? Not fucking really, because I didn't know what it really meant, and I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't know what it meant. And I get it now. I get it now when I talk to somebody, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you know, uh, somebody comes to my podcast and they talk jujitsu. And next thing after the, the show's over, I'm on my back with my shoes off, learning a move with clothes on. <clears throat> you know, jujitsu's the only thing ever that I've. I wake up before I go. I got to go to Buffalo next week. By Tuesday, I open up my email and I have three people offering me a private lesson at this school, wow. Black Belt. When I was 400 pounds, you think anybody offered me a diet or let me come take you and run with you or teach you how to lose weight. Never. Nobody. Ever yeah. since I announced jujitsu in my life, I will get two to three emails from Buffalo and two from Indianapolis the next two weeks saying, hey, we got a school right downtown. We'd like to invite you to roll, you know. And uh, that's the yeah. beauty of jujitsu. Nobody's ever called me a fat piece of shit. I've had more people come over while they were rolling, beating somebody, going, hold on, hold on. Come over to me and go, no, 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 no. Joe, 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 put your hand over here. You see? Pull his belt, you know. That's what keeps me going. Nobody's ever laughed at me. Nobody's ever said, man, this, is, this ain't going to work for you. In fact, people have come up to me and said, man, I'm happy you're here today. You know, Joey, I saw you go for the fucking deep half. You didn't get it, but you <laughs> went for it, motherfucker. You feel great. The jiu-jitsu community. It's, yeah, it's unique like that. It's, it's very unique. I heard a, a great quote. Uh, 
one, the drummer from Poison had cancer. Okay. And uh, somebody said to him, why didn't Cece? you see Snow, the uh, Ricky Rock, oh, a black belt. That's right, yeah. And somebody said to him, you didn't? And he said, I didn't turn to him, the music community. I turned to the jiu-jitsu community when I had the cancer. And I always wanted him on the podcast after that, but he's going through some other personal stuff. But just that, that thing right there, you know, uh, people yeah. always want to help you. People, jiu-jitsu has been something that I've never... Stand up. Nobody ever came to me and said, hey, I got a stage. You want to come practice? <laughs> nobody's ever said that shit to me. Nobody's no, ever. When I did karate all those years. Going in and yeah, <laughs> nobody said to me, Joey, do you want to come to my dojang and throw kicks? You know, when I was Joey Karate and I was putting videos up, nobody said, do you want to train karate? Jiu-jitsu is the only thing that people are like, listen, man, you come Saturday, I'll teach you a couple big guy moves. I'll uh, do some strength and conditioning with you, and I'll take you to eat a nice steak, my treat, and I'll give you your gi. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't offer you anything. It's not, like get, it's not like I won Oma Plata yeah. Ville, yeah. or I won the ADCC, or I won the Worlds. It would be an honor for me to come to your school and take a picture. I'm not even a good jujitsu guy. They don't care. No. It's like a dog. It's like they but have unconditional love. But you're a good love. guy, though. Yes. And that and goes that, a long way in jujitsu. Well, they're good guys for wanting to reach out and go, Joey, I used to have close to... There's a guy, James something, that keeps sending me exercises. He, he listens to me on Joe's podcast and people's... And he sends me different workouts, like out of his kindness of his heart. Are these the ones that you've been doing? No. I, in fact, I practice things. There's one exercise that he said this will definitely help your uh, shrimps okay. and stuff. So you put the, dumb, uh, the kettlebell into your larynx and bend over. He goes, I want you to do it. It strengthens all this stuff without the... That's like I've a been good doing. morning type of thing. So what he does is he says, do five squats, uh, goblet squats, and then turn it around and do five. Then do four, four, three, three, two, two. And he goes, it's great for your cardio. Just, I just want you, you know, people took time to do this. Yeah. So this only happened through jujitsu. Javi Vasquez called me the other day that he's doing something. If I wanted to come down, it's in Ontario. You know, this other guy, Gustavo, <laughs> called me a while ago, hit me on Facebook that he does something on Saturdays. This is the jiu-jitsu community. This is just people that I can't offer them nothing. They're not calling me for the 20 bucks they charge. You know, yeah, 20 yeah, bucks doesn't yeah. make them or break them. Yeah. They really have something they want to show me or teach me or they have an idea or something. So uh, this is why I've been so involved with jiu-jitsu. I really like it's, it. No, that's awesome. Do you feel like that's progressed more since you've had, um, you've been talking about it on your own podcast? On, on the, uh, oh, yeah. Your podcast, which is called? The Church. With Lee Syatt and stuff. It's the, you, got a, you got a shirt it's on there. T-shirt. A lot of people yeah. always hit me up and go, hey, man, thanks. Like some guy hit me up the other night and goes, what to expect? I'm really scared about going. Mm. I'm a big guy like you. And people just, ask you about jiu-jitsu yeah, yeah. stuff. People, people like, awesome. what do you think? What do you think? And I go, dog, go. Go. go to, make sure you go three times. And once they teach you a submission and you see the speed of it, well, once you really, because when you first do the moves, you actually do the technique the way they teach it, and people actually do really fly. Later on, you forget, and you do sloppy shit, and it don't work, and you're like, what the fuck, it worked on John Evan. It didn't work on these guys. But once you learn to move, and you see how people talk to you when you sweat on them, and how the workout, first off, the workout is just sensational. It exercises everything, because you're stretching, you're, you're, you're pushing. You, you once told me that the little muscle fibers tear, because it's anaerobic and shit, that, you know, yeah. drink protein afterward. Yeah. So... 
I, I even at night when I get to bed, I shrimp at night. When I get to bed, I reverse shrimp. And then while I'm in bed, I think of moves. Like who thinks who's next to a woman and thinks of jujitsu moves? <laughs> Only my fifty three year old fat loser ass does that. And everyone else in jujitsu. Really? Uh, yeah. It's it's, it's it funny is. how you know I tell people lately on stage. I go, I had a kid at fifty. What kind of loser has a kid at fifty and joins jujitsu? Most guys dump their wife. Fuck the secretary, get Viagra and a Corvette. Not me, not me. I did it the other way. The I joined, joined jujitsu with Zach and smelled his feet and did fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You didn't have enough responsibility. Right. Like, yeah. I just said, let me go in there. And, and the first time I went, it was one of the hardest things. Like, I didn't just walk into jujitsu cold. I had been kickboxing, I had lost 100 pounds already. I had been on a, I had, you know, been boxing down at a Justin Fortune's. I had a little bit of, at least, when I first went to Justin's, I used to have to wear two pair of underwear because they would always pee. I would always pee myself. I couldn't control my breathing and the pee. So there was times, I, there was no way I was going to jump out of the ring, run to the bathroom, That's and take my dick out. I would just pee my pants a little bit. That's how bad a shape I was at 418 pounds. When I dropped down to 305, I That's went a, down there. That's huge. I went down there, and my wind was better. Then I went over to the kickboxing place. I went over there for like six months and I gradually worked on my breathing. They would say to me, and I didn't even know anything was affecting my breathing until I got on my back. Yeah. Once I got on my back at VMAC, when I walked out of there, I was like, I will never, ever, ever come down here again. That's a fucking mistake, Jack. I almost died the first time. I didn't know it was anything like that. The legs, the... And I remember sitting at home going, how can I quit? That's not me at all. This is something that kids do. This isn't like a, a muscle-bound sport. And I, and I started seeing watching videos of 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds. Oh, yeah. And I said, let me go down. And the first three or four times I went, it was just horrible. It was just God-fucking-awful. It was just God-awful. First time Zach got on top of me, I, I didn't know what the fuck to do, you know? And I'm thinking, <laughs> if he's getting on top of me, and this is how he feels... I can't imagine how I feel on top of people. I'm, I got him by 60 fucking pounds, you know. But, yeah, I mean, he probably knew how to use his weight a little bit better, right. though, too. Oh, so my not... God. And I just kept going. And I popped my knee, and I started going oh, to Hegan's. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to breathe. I didn't really... Uh... Did I have another one? Yeah, there? yeah. Another one there. So I'll take a water, too, whatever you got. I really <laughs> didn't know how to breathe. I didn't know anything, man. But something just seemed so interesting to me about it. You know, something seemed so interesting to me about doing jiu-jitsu. You know, uh, the workout was just... And I like doing kettlebells, and I like lifting, and I like I like going to karate as a child and stuff. But jiu-jitsu took me to the next level. Yeah, it, it seemed to, like... Like, right away, you, you seem to really, like... I think a lot of people that have stayed in jiu-jitsu for a long time are that way. Like, definitely, I'm that way, clearly. But it's... It takes a certain type of person, maybe a little bit, maybe a little crazy, a little bit of a glutton for punishment, you know, to, especially those first six months or so, a year, where everyone just beats you up. And uh, I wasn't even getting to that part. <laughs> I was tapping out. Just initially. Yeah, I was just tapping out. Once they got me on my back, I was like, that's it. That's it. This is just not working, you know. And, but uh, you stayed with I, I don't even <clears throat> understand how most people stay with it, though. Honestly, like, that's, that's a, it's a little bit weird in a way like i know i've i like hyper focus on things you ever quit anything i'm sure i've i'm sure i quit quit a thousand things i could have been a fucking mason i could have been a chef 
I could have been a fucking fence installer. I could have done so many things. And I quit all of them. I never knew. I was like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to like? I thought I wanted a bartender, and I, I realized I didn't like being around drunks. You know, it was just nonstop. Like, I quit everything. And when I tried comedy, I already had the felonies. I couldn't get a job. I knew, you know, I mean, I didn't <laughs> live as a felon. When I got out, when I did my time, that was my time. I never told anybody when I applied for a job, and they'd say, hey, man, you have a felony. No, I don't. You got the wrong fucking guy. I already sold eight cars. You're not going to fire me now. And they go, okay. You know, but uh, I never lived as a felon. And But I, I knew I had to do something in my life. And when I got divorced, I knew I had to do something in my life. I was 32. I had nothing on the horizon. I had, I was a semester away from getting a college degree. And what was I going to go back for now? In the state of Colorado, with a felony, I couldn't even become an acupuncturist. There was nothing I could become when I went to get the final license. I could sell cars be a salesman on the phone, you know, start my own construction company. And one day I was like, I don't want to do any, I don't want to do fucking anything. I don't want to do none of this shit. First of all, I don't want a job in the daytime. I knew that from the time I was 10. Really? Fuck that. Yeah, You're if such I'm, a daytime If I'm going to work, I'm going to work at night. I want to work at night. I don't want to work in the fucking daytime. I want to be out and enjoy the sun while everybody else is working. I want to be home doing my thing. And once you fucking vultures get home, I'm out doing my thing. I mean, I'm... You also wake up at like six a.m. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh no, no. I like I like my days. I really fucking like my days. If I got to work till one, and I got home at two, and I didn't go to bed till three, I'd still get up around ten. I like my days. I like going to get a sandwich and getting fucking vitamin D and smoking a number. I love my days. So when I got into comedy, like I gave it a shot, and for two years, like I said, I was just bumping around telling people I did stand up. And I went to New York to get my head together after the divorce. And I did sets around town, but sometimes I'd go, all right, I'm going to do comedy at 10, and I'd stop by Harlem and get a bag of Coke and do two bumps, and I'd go, fuck comedy. I'm not going down there to do comedy. And that was the story of my life. And it was just like I do with jiu-jitsu. I would drive to jiu-jitsu, park my car, look at the school, think about how bad it was going to be, and I'd fucking speed away. You know, I did that like two or three times. How bad did I feel? This, you accomplished nothing. <laughs> By quitting. <laughs> Listen to me. There's two things. Now, there's two things. My friend Lee Syatt, I love him dearly. He wrestled in high school. He just didn't like jujitsu. He told me ten times. Oh, you actually got him to go. You yeah, were talking got, about it yeah, last I time I was on your, your hey, he's show. Like, nah, I really don't like it. He went. He didn't like that. He even did the Christmas tournament at John Jock. He competed? Yeah, he competed. Oh, my two God. Two months, and he got beat up, and they threw well, him on the floor. And, two months, yeah. But it didn't <laughs> matter. He didn't like it. He told me ten times he didn't like it. It's not for everyone, for sure. <laughs> but when somebody quits because they're scared, or the workout's too hard, or, you know, one of the above, you know, people with the fucking fake knee injuries. Everybody got a fucking injury. Just work <laughs> through it. You ever see those people? I got really fat because I had a knee injury. Really? I got really fat because I ate cheeseburgers, not because I had a knee injury. I always, I've always had a fucking knee injury. You work around it. Don't blame your fucking knee. You can put a brace on that motherfucker, eat a Vicodin, and I'll have you in here ballerina it up like a fucking savage. And once you get your insurance, you go to the doctor and you get it checked out like everybody else does. But when I went to jiu-jitsu, there was, I could have not, like I didn't tell anybody. I could have gone twice and not told anybody. Who was John Budd going to tell? He wasn't going to tell anybody. You know what I'm saying? But there was just something about it. I kept thinking about that expression, you know, you know, don't let your character ruin your destiny, you know, uh, shit like that. Like, I'm going to just quit. 
I'm just going to quit, you know. I'm, I don't have good aptitude for mechanics. Like, if I get a flat tire, I buy a new car. <laughs> I'm one of those fucking morons, you know. I got to change the oil. Let's just go get a new car. I don't, <laughs> just, that's not my bag. I'm not good with wrenches or whatever. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu is something that anybody could be good. Anybody could be good. Because, A, when you watch the UFC, all the hype, what did, what did Conor get choked with? Condit? Real naked. Basic choke, you know. When Benson Henderson got caught with Pettis, what did he get caught with? Armbar. You know, uh, when when uh, when uh, when Anderson Silva caught Chael Sonnen, what did he catch him with? Uh, a triangle. triangle, fucking combination armbar, whatever. These are all one on one jujitsu. This is all one on one jujitsu. You know what that means, guys? I could come in here and go, John Evan, listen. Fuck you and your Baron Bolos. Fuck you and your Spider Guards. This is what I want to learn. Okay, I want to learn what Anderson did. I want to learn what. Anthony Pettis did, and I want to learn what he did, because those are the moves that I think I'm going to be more effective for. And you know what? I know for a fact that you've told me, people have told me, I know this guy one time that won a tournament with the same fucking move. People knew it was coming, and the motherfucker still choked people out, you know, the way they set you up and stuff. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu has something for everybody. You know, I can't spy the guard you or nothing like that, but you know what? I could collar chalk you from, from a closed guard, you know, if you resist, I can arm. There's little things for everybody. You, I may not be able to bear bolo, do what Zach does, and uh, get legs and stuff like that. But there's something for everybody. And if you, it's like Bruce Lee said, if you practice something ten thousand times, even if John Evan knows it's coming, he's not going to see it coming. How many? Well, you know, now we find out years later <laughs> that Ronda was fighting fucking, you know. People who weren't even experienced in the fucking game now were finding out. You know? <laughs> Look at all of a sudden they signed fucking Cyborg when she got beat up. They didn't want her to sign. See, oh, sign did they sign her? They signed oh, wow. Cyborg, sure, mm-hmm. once they got beat up. But the point is that Jiu-Jitsu is so basic. It's so fucking basic and it's, and it's uh, whatever you call it, like how you apply it. Yeah. It's so basic. You get into a beef on the street, you take a punch. Next thing you know, you break his elbow, you get up, you go to his car. By the time you... Starting your car, he's still yelling from his fucking elbow. He's got a coconut on his elbow. It's that simple. These are the moves. You don't have to throw big kicks or pick the guy up. This is quick. Sure. I mean, like, Hodger Gracie, for, for example, everyone knows he's going to mount and cross-collar choke, and that one year, he just pretty much did that to everyone. Including the guy from Northridge, the guy that has the Gracie Barra school. <laughs> Didn't he do Amilo. Amilos, who's fucking tremendous, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, Amilos amazing. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah, so right. he knew it was coming, but how simple was that? Break the guard. What did he do? Break the guard. Yeah, just, yep. Side control, mount, dilly-dally. He put one hook in and sat there for 10 minutes. <laughs> then he put the other one in, and he climbed up his collar and tickled him. And then he started fucking around with his wrist, right? It was a 15-minute match, correct? Or 10? Their match, uh, I think it was a 10, yeah. 10. It, it took it, like, watch, watch. nearly it, the whole 10. Oh, the yeah. whole 10 to pass. Just to pass. I mean, just to pass. Know. Boom, Jesus. boom, boom. You know, and this is something. He's not a magician. Hodger Gracie's not the most athletic out of fucking Gracie's by no means. See, in the UFC, yeah. he's not, yeah, no. not athletic. So, well, he's not. Yeah. No, he's athletic. But he's not the most like his body he's, yeah, was. He's, yeah. yeah, he's not. He's not really. Very he, no, no. Yeah. So there's something for everybody. This is the things I learned, and just a fucking for a guy like me that I have a wife at fifty and the fucking comedy and the writing and you know, listen, man, it's my hour to decompress. It's my fucking hour to decompress. I don't even bring a phone into the fucking place with me. Really, I, I don't care. 
what do you have to tell me? My my kid is with the fucking school. My wife's got the cell phone. She's at home. You know what? An audition. What, what are you gonna tell me? That my friend got shot. What can I do? I'm on my back sucking <laughs> fucking air with some guy's ass in my face. What can I do? There's nothing I could do. So I take, I turned that into my meditation. When I go to jujitsu, I went to a jujitsu school for a while. It was always headshots and all that shit. When I go to jujitsu, I just want to be that fat white belt in the corner. So who is that guy? He's not too good, you know. Why does he keep coming? I don't know. I don't know. I don't ask him. No, I'm not going to ask him. He's scary looking. He's from Jersey. He probably knows the mafia. You know, <laughs> you never know. I mean, that's... Well, I mean, you did keep coming, though. I'd, from, like, the first day... Yeah, that's ...where you I were know. sucking wind, just oh. doing hip escapes. You, you'd make, like, five. And you were so... It's just amazing. Oh, my God. You were so out of shape back then. But I thought To the I progress you've made shape. today... Like the, now I can move. do 16 episodes. <laughs> no, but five. I mean, you move so much better. You actually really have like a passion for jujitsu. When we talk about it, when we were training here, you know, like you'll think about things for days and ask really um, pertinent questions that are, um, I don't know, it just shows that you have a certain thought process that only someone that's really into that would would ask. I, I think that's really cool. I, I don't know exactly why it's such a thing for you especially because you have this very busy life you've got a family you know so much stuff that that you have going on that's taking up your time but you still make time for jujitsu and it's still something that's really important to you and i always thought that that was amazing like i said the jujitsu lifestyle the people that surround you are so important in your life the people that surround you man if you surround yourself with fucking jerk-offs, you're going to be a jerk-off. I don't give a fuck what anybody tells you. Every jiu-jitsu place I've gone to has three people that you connect with. That one of the nicest things ever was Carlo came up to me one day. I was getting oh, beat such up. A nice, my, my student Carlo And he came up to me one day and dog, nice every time I see you, I get inspired because I, I wouldn't want to do this when I'm 50. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, little things. I went to whatever the other day, and there's, there's this, you know, Dom Herrera has this joke. That he says, uh, you know, they shouldn't call them black people. They should call them athletic. You know, that's a real athletic neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's a kid at, at, at uh, Alberto Cranes. It's a dynamite young black kid that you could tell he's just. I mean, he doesn't even pass your guard. He just presses your stomach and jumps over your legs. One of those young brothers, 24, must be biceps out there. Yeah. The other day, I'm getting beat up, and I did something, and I flipped a guy. As I was walking, he's like, hey, man. But he said it to me like an intimidating way. He's like, hey, man. He took his mouthpiece out. He goes, you looked really fucking good today, brother. And I was like, <laughs> man, really? I go, why? He goes, I seen what you did. Excuse me. He goes, you couldn't do that when you walked in here. He goes, I saw how you held his leg. Did you see that? And you put your head on his, you know. That's the encouragement you get. And yeah. I've never, when I got into comedy, I got into comedy because I read the book, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Lenny Bruce, and it read about how I was so lost, John Evans, at the age of 31 <laughs> or 30, but when I read this book, he explains how, um, you know, he, he performed that night, and then he'd go to the Chelsea Hotel, and he'd shoot heroin with strippers and, <laughs> and jazz musicians and, you know, these uh, all these different people from the entertainment, people who lurk late at night, you know. 
by people. And that's mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to get into comedy. I wanted that camaraderie. Sure. I really yearned for that camaraderie. When I was 18, I thought they wanted, I wanted to be in the mafia, but they took too much of my money. I don't need that <laughs> shit. I ain't stealing for you, cocksucker. I give you 10 points, 15. And, you know, I always wanted to be a part of something, but I didn't have the, like, I didn't want to be a biker. I didn't want rules. This is making me a part of something that I really don't have to be a part of something. I could be a part of something to as much as I want to. You know, I don't have to wear a tap-out shirt and go to all the UFCs. A little bit. Right. <laughs> I, I want to do this to for my health. I really yeah. believe. When I went to Hegan's thing and I saw Dan and Asanto there at 70-whatever. Yeah. And let's face it, he wasn't John Ebony and people. He wasn't Eddie Bravo and people. But you know what? He was sweeping people and people were working with him. And, and I know for a fact that keeps you young. I know for a fact. It's not the tattoo and the jeans and the hat and the goatee and you anybody could dye their hair. I know that every time I go and a twenty five year old chokes me out, I just gained a year. I'm gonna live to eighty one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna live to I'm eighty one because I know it's healthy for you. The environment is so healthy for you. Did a show in Santa Barbara last Friday. Didn't even know about this. Went back to Jiu Jitsu Monday. Tuesday, I walked in. Three kids were like, man, we went to see you. That was great. <laughs> Why don't you say hello? Like, we were embarrassed. How can you be embarrassed? I'm over here rolling on top of you, sweating <laughs> bacon grease on you from my fat ass. And just now you're talking embarrassed. To you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, that's my love for it, the jiu-jitsu. Everybody, you know, some guy brought me flax seeds. You know, you turned me on to almond milk to put fruit in it, so now I do that. I haven't found protein powder to go with the almond milk. It all tastes shitty, so I got to find <laughs> it's, it's tough, yeah. I've been really doing this. I've drank water since my, I got into jiu-jitsu. I've, uh, I've learned to stretch more. Yeah, you're you know. way healthier, way healthier. Uh, just Amazing. so many things, because they call this, they don't call it a karate lifestyle. I never heard of an <laughs> MMA lifestyle, but I heard of a jiu-jitsu lifestyle. And the encouragement, the encouragement is what, so... Everything I wanted from comedy, I'm really getting from jujitsu right now. Like all the little, and comedy, once you get to a certain level, becomes so cutthroat. Sure. And I didn't like that. If, if that's what it was, you know what? I'd rather not make money at it and just do something else for money and do comedy. But right now, I'm at a level at my comedy where it's so cutthroat. Like I just can't go into a place and think about doing comedy. I'm like, I think about seats and how many seats they're giving away and are they robbing me and is my plane going to be late? <laughs> Yeah, and I tell you, sticks and then I go home, and I got a three-year-old, and I love her to death, and I got a wife, and she talks to me, but all these things combined, I need a breather from. And yeah, you go to YMCA, and you got the elliptical, and you can do deadlifts, and you can go to kettlebell class, but there's something about somebody tapping you, and then telling you what you did wrong, and going, let's do it again, and this time, put your arm there, choke me. Diaz, choke me. Come on, put your weight. You're 300 pounds. Let's go. You know, that takes a lot. That when somebody does that for me, I have to do something to give them back what they gave me. They just took the time out to do something for me. Yeah. You know? The other day, some guy came up to me and goes, what well, you told me? He goes, Joey, go for that Camaro in half guard. Fake that motherfucker. Always because Alberto Crane always goes, Joey, your hands, they're beautiful. He goes, if I had your jiu-jitsu hands, I would submit people with one arm. He goes, look at these hooks. He goes, you could do so much with these ham hooks. You could grip under and turn and... He goes, you can break a neck with this thing. You know, uh, He goes, arm bars. If you grab their arm with that hoof, you'll break it without even throwing your leg over. You know, you have this salami, this, this ham hock on your arm, you know. People come over and they help you. When you do stand-up, yeah, some jerk-offs come over and say, hey, you should throw this joke to that 
the one time somebody gave me a joke and I did it was a stolen joke. <sighs> Nobody could ever steal a fucking Kamora. Like, if you come over and go here, go for the Kamora every time. It's not like I'm stealing. You know, it's, yeah. it's so weird how yeah. I take tips. Like, people are just there for you. That's what I'm just trying to say. If you're thinking about joining jujitsu and you're not sure, I'm going to tell you something. At least people are there for you. There's somebody in that class that's going to come over and go, hey, man, just get on your side and breathe. Put your foot there. You should have kicked me. Kick me, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is, yeah, it's it's unique. People it's very unique. tell you how to hurt them. Yeah, it's <laughs> very unique. They'll tell you how you fucked up. Who tells you that? Your dad never came to you and said, you know how you fucked up? You left the rolling papers under the car. No, they don't tell you that shit. <laughs> but jujitsu people will stop after the bell, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what you did wrong? Come here. Do this this way. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, you gave it to me. You gave you. He, people said you had the arm bar. You didn't yeah. see it. You were going for a stupid choke. All you had to do was pick up my sleeve and throw that foot over. Look what you got. Oh, fuck. It's so, and that's when you go home and on the way home, you're so enthusiastic. You want to go home. My wife don't let me try moves on her. I tried, to, oh. I tried to teach her an arm bar from the mount one day, and I threw her one day, and she's like, that's it. That's no, it, yeah. No, I can't. Uh, so it's so... Uh, that's like a prerequisite, though. If you if you date somebody that does jujitsu, you've got to be able to test that She doesn't do jujitsu, but she does her yoga and her kettlebells. So one day she said to me, why does everybody go to this jujitsu? <laughs> and I go, let's do that. I'll show you why. And I made her get on top of me and press my chest and take my arm and lean back and... She was like, that's neat, but I don't know. I don't want to do that no more. I don't want you to get on top of me and do that shit. So. <laughs> you should bring her here. We're going to start a female-only class. That's that's the future. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's definitely an untapped resource. Uh, so few women in the sport that really, when you look at the amount of competitors, not very many compared to the men, um, but just they're so exciting and it's fun growing. to watch. Yeah, the problem it's, with female jiu-jitsu, women's jiu-jitsu, I'm sorry, is that they're scared like I was, you know. Do they want to come into a class and have a fat guy like Joey sweating on them? This girl, you know, these girls shave their legs and all this stuff. But I've seen women's movements for jujitsu, like p- people that have like uh, Sunday classes at twelve. There's a place over there. I see sixty, seventy women. They got acai. They bring dresses. <laughs> they bring jujitsu gear, and they fucking yes. go crazy. The women, you know. And at least they could go with, and they have women from the age of three to the age of sixty. No, it's fantastic. You know, women yeah. with white hair, the black belts now that were the pioneers of the sport. You know, whatever. And I've always said when I went down at EBI and I saw that one girl marry, uh, jack people up, I, I left there very emotional because I know if something happens to me, my daughter will ever, always have a shot because of jujitsu. I really believe in jujitsu for women. Yes. And since I have a daughter, important. Oh I've God. always said that, you know, in 20 years, we won't have rapists no more. You can tell a rapist because I have a fucking broken elbow. <laughs> you know, everybody, you'll be seeing That's... them. Oh, you must have raped somebody. <laughs> like a broken elbow. I tried. <laughs> and then after they get out of jail, they'll be joining jiu-jitsu schools. And they'll go in there like for the 30-day trial. I just want to learn how to get out of an armbar. That's it. <laughs> You're like, why an armbar? <laughs> you know. That's <laughs> the goal, right? It's the goal. Yeah. So I really felt enthusiastic that uh that my, if my daughter likes it that by the age of eight and they take to it like fucking yes kids take to it they're so, so technical well, yeah. their legs and it's something you know again we're going back to ronda rousey you know say all you want about it she was trained properly she did go to the oh, olympics yeah, absolutely and uh you fuck with ronda you're gonna have a hard time she will break <laughs> something you know whatever yeah. happened with holly home you know you can't win everything but uh, That's top level. I stuff guarantee, though, you know? yeah, Holly. Uh, 
Rhonda could at least get any man off her and run to her car, which is what you want yeah. for your daughter <laughs> or least. your wife or your grandma. You know what I'm saying? You want yeah. to be able to get, hey, get this guy in the guard, kick him in the nuts, and I ran exactly. to the fucking car. So just all these, jujitsu had all these things to offer me. Plus, that was the other thing. I wanted to show my daughter. Like, I'm too late to show my daughter comedy stuff. I don't want my my daughter to see my comedy stuff at all till she gets older, <laughs> till she can understand. I don't want her to... I, d- I never even, like... I just knew you from jujitsu. Right. I think I saw I saw some of your old Joey Karate stuff, but I didn't realize it was even you because it was so much before oh, when I met right, you. Right, because Sean was into that. Yeah. Sean Williams was into Joey Karate. Yeah, Sean Williams, my old instructor, great guy um, in Koreatown. He, uh, yeah. So I was I, I saw some of your old videos, and we'll get you out of here in a minute. Um, Saw some of your old videos and oh yeah they were funny but then it was like years later then I saw you a at, at Valimac no at Valimac I didn't I didn't never I'd never oh, even okay. seen and I didn't even realize that it was you that was doing that I didn't not until like maybe a year later or something you were training there and one of my friends was like hey is that Joey I was like no way it's the same guy and I went back and looked and I was like oh shit um, but I didn't realize that. Uh, that you were like famous or you were, you know, a really prolific comedian. And, and I just knew you basically from jujitsu where you're like the nicest guy, like, you know, you, I mean, sure you'll, you'll swear or whatever every once in a while, but it's not like a, a thing. And then like, I saw your comedy and I was like, Oh, like, you know, people like, <laughs> like that you were saying, crazy, like people yeah. want to see you tell dirty jokes. It's like, it's yeah, what they, crazy, they so. probably pigeonhole you a little bit there, but it's uh it's just so funny. Cause you're like, the nicest dude ever, like ever. I would oh, never I real hard, <laughs> in a just, million years think. I that. love people. I love. Uh, I love knowledge. I, I. I fucking hate celebrities. <laughs> and I hate the freedom that we've given them to be assholes, and we accept it. And when I see little things, and listen, we all have bad days and good days, but you get a lot more done with honey than you do with vinegar. I stick up for myself, and I say some creepy shit sometimes. <laughs> But I don't mean it. You know, I don't mean it. I just, even my wife says something before. It's a Jesus joke. I don't mean it. And uh, <clears throat> you, you kind of know what my heart is sometimes to really understand. But I never understood people who were creepy to people and stuff like that. You know, I work on stage. And sometimes I get lucky and I do a movie. But that has nothing to do with what we're doing here. When I come to these places, I want, like I have a friend that calls me Joey that I grew up with. And I've told him 10 fucking times, no, don't call me fucking Joey, call me Coco. And he'll go, why? I go, because that's what you call me for 30 fucking years, and all of a sudden now you call me Joey. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, that's your name. No, it's not, man. You knew me as Coco because it puts me at ease. When I come to jiu-jitsu, I just want to be a fat guy in the corner. That's learning jiu-jitsu. I don't want people not to throw me because, you know, oh, well, he does movies or whatever. That's got nothing to do with it. That's why I never came to class half-assed, like, I want to do the exercises. I could have walked in after the warm-ups and said, well, I was busy on an audition on the phone talking to my agent. I didn't do that. I wanted always, you know, there's uh, one place I went to that was a a pseudo-celebrity, and he wouldn't come for the warm-ups. And it pissed me off. Like, he would come, like, 15 minutes in and put his cell phone down and, you know, crack a joke about the movie he was just on. doesn't mean nothing. You're disrespecting everybody. Come at 10 to 10. Warm-up. Do the fucking things. That's the most important thing. This martial art thing is about martial arts. It's about respect and respecting yourself 
and respecting the people around you. You know, that's what, this is how, when I came from Cuba, I got, I was retarded. I got hit in the head with a flashlight and I got six stitches and that was the end of that. I couldn't stand being beat up again. I made a promise I would never get beat up again. I got beat up, but I went to karate and this guy was a black guy. He taught that goju stuff. They kicked you in the stomach. They kicked you in the face. It was full contact karate, but it was a martial art, man. You know, and it's, and I tell people all the time, Stand-up comedy and jiu-jitsu is no difference because there's an art. The way Haji Gracie might teach me an armbar might be one way, and the way John Evan teaches me an armbar is a different way. But they both have the same result because this is an art. This is a fucking art. Everybody has a different thing. You might teach me a bow and arrow choke different from Higan Machado, but they both fucking work. Yeah, Who gives a fuck? At the end of the know? day, yeah. Uh, whether I tell a story, I tell a shit joke, or I tell a clean joke, the result is laughter. You follow me? It's whatever yeah. I choose. It's it's so. Uh, I love jujitsu. You know, if you if you're thinking of, of fucking joining it, I, I would I would hesitate. I would not even. I would run down there tonight and give it a shot, and just stick with it. And anything you commit to, even if you don't like jujitsu and you like, just keep showing up. Something good has to happen. If you keep showing up, if you keep showing up, keep showing, and let them laugh at you. Let the guys bring in the sharp tights. With the shirts and Spider-Man. That's great. You just keep showing the corner. And every day you get one more move in. Oh, my God. I got to retain retain my guard. Oh, my God. I, I got him in the deep half. I didn't I didn't sweep him, but at least I got the leg. And I fucked with him a little with his balance. And all you can do is get better and better. And eventually, one day, I know I'll be a decent jiu-jitsu guy. Decent that I can roll around and people like to have me around. And I, you know. That type of shit. So that's my goal. To be You're already there. You're yeah, I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the commitment, and I love people like you. That you oh. know, you're still my buddy. You take my phone calls. <laughs> I ask you stupid, creepy jujitsu questions. You love answer it. me. Love I love them. I love them. I, I ask all my friends questions, and it's funny because there's one person that when I ask a question to, he just looks at me weird. And that's Joe Rogan. <laughs> he always just looks at me weird, and I go, "Stop! Stop! Stop! You're gonna answer my fucking questions because for years I listened to all you motherfuckers with your jujitsu shit." And he goes, "No, no, ask me whatever you want, you know." So I, I make them all pay for their sins. <laughs> Denny Proctopus, I make him pay for his sins when I see him. Tate Fletcher, uh, 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 the, the, the other guy that plays the Brazilian. Uh, Hassan? Hassan. I, his father was my first karate teacher in New York was... in 1970. I go back <laughs> with Hassan. So I make him teach me uh, a move. Hanato. Hanato. I make him fucking, I bust his balls. Anybody's jujitsu bullshit I had to take, now I bust your balls back. Because 10 years ago, I didn't know what you were doing. When they'd say sweep, I didn't know what they were talking I thought they were talking about karate sweeps. Because I grew up with karate sweeps. When I fake a kick and I spin around, I take your leg out. I didn't know that's what they meant. That's how fucking <laughs> confused I was about jujitsu. That's awesome. Uh, so, we're running out of time. I just uh, wanted to see you real quick. I could listen to you. You could, oh, we could, like, you could read the dictionary. I would listen to it no, all day I long. Uh, your stories are awesome, and I love your voice, too. But um, I just wanted to give you a, a chance to um, let the readers, or readers, <laughs> let the listeners know uh, what you got on the horizon? You have anything coming up? Are you touring? Are you? I'm you touring. I'll be in Buffalo. I'll be in Indianapolis. I'll be in Sacramento and Pittsburgh. My website is joeydiaz.net. I have a podcast called The Church of What's Happening Now. Great podcast. Thank you. You've been on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I, I did an episode of Marin. You know that's coming out next se- this season. A couple weeks it starts, and 
I'm taping uh, Ari for Shafir's This Is Not Happening. And, uh, oh, nice. In May, and uh, I'm going to continue with jiu-jitsu until uh, I get my cardio down. Like, I just went to a breathing workshop with Anthony Harddunks at... Uh, Dynamics? Uh, Dynamics. Yeah. It's called uh, Breathing with uh, Dr. Belisa. And I'm going to go again next week to Volume 2, which is tomorrow. And uh, listen, man, I'm just going to keep showing up. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Joey. Really Thank appreciate you, it. This is great today. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for us today. This has been the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I'm here with Joey Coco Diaz. Go see him. He's on tour. And, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. All right. Till next time. Goodbye. Thank you. That was great, John. Huh?